The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast on this Tuesday morning. And we're glad you're with us and staying with us throughout this week as we continue our study through the book of Psalms. And uh, we're so glad you're with us. We really hope that this time in Psalms is an encouragement. It always is to me. And I greatly appreciate it. Sometimes encouragement, sometimes even a bit of a challenge. And that's our goal. We realize that the Word of God encourages. It helps. It also challenges us. And uh, that's what we want. And we is the theme verse for our podcast. The, Psalm 119.105, that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's what we want the word of God to be. So we're, we congratulate you and commend you for being here, for making God's word part of your day. And we appreciate you letting me uh, be part of your spiritual journey as well. We're in Psalm chapter 123 this morning. And hope you're enjoying the beautiful weather. I, I tell you, um, uh, people joke, I'm not the biggest fan of snow. I don't mind the snow. It's usually more inconvenience. These nor'easters come in. But one thing I do love, it's been true the last couple of days, is usually after these big storms come, very clear skies and beautiful weather. And I, I'm enjoying that part. I hope you're enjoying the beautiful weather. And, and this season of winter we're in, only a few more weeks left in it. I hope you're enjoying it. Psalm 123 this morning. As we look at, I think, a great important aspect. Psalm 122, we talked about um, the aspect of worship. They came into the house of God. They came into the temple. And they came to worship and I, we, I, you really can kind of look to the other part where in this worship we see a bit of the heart of worship in the next chapter in Psalm 123. Let's go ahead and read it. He says, Under thee lift, up I, lift I up mine eyes, O that dwelleth in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look into the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden in the hand of her, her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. So we look at this, we see a level of worship. You get to, I guess you'd say, dig down a little bit and see the heart of the psalmist, heart of David as he's, he's in worship. And, and a lot of times we do. When we, when we get alone and we have a time of worship that, uh, that we're kind of away from church and it's just us and God. Uh, maybe in church as well, but us and God. And it's not corporate, it's, it's not family, it's just me and God. And it's a time where hopefully, hopefully in that time, there's a lot of intimacy, there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of, of closeness. I, I don't have to put on, sometimes, and I don't think this is right, but it's natural, sometimes when we're surrounded by other people, we feel like other Christians, uh, we feel like we need to look a certain way and act a certain way and sound a certain way. And indefinitely, there are things in our life that we would not pray about in public where we would in private, and that's, that's good, that's good. There are things in our lives that are intimate, they're personal, that we only sometimes we don't even share with those in, our, in the human realm closest to us. Our spouses don't know, our close friends don't know, and that's okay. Uh, there are some things that are just meant for me and God, and that's really what we're seeing in this passage. That, and this is where relationship digs a little deeper. In, in our world today, uh, in, in human relationship, if we were to come and share what I, we consider failures or frustrations with other people, our biggest fear is inevitably their view of us will change. And sometimes that becomes true. And so because of that, in that human reasoning, we, we still hide those things. We sometimes kind of hide those things from our relationship with God. Please remember, God knows our heart. He knows everything about us. He knows things we won't even admit about ourselves. And in that, 
we have to remember that God loves us the same. As a matter of fact, the more we're willing to acknowledge those failures, those sins, those weaknesses, uh, the sweeter our relationship gets with God because we recognize what God already knows. We recognize that God is the only one that can give us grace and victory through those times. And then we work in His, in His, wor- in His Word and through Him to see victory in those areas. And that's what we need. That's what we see today. So let's go ahead and unpack a couple of these verses and see what we can learn from this. In verse number one of Psalm 123, he says, unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwells in heaven. So he talks about those that dwells in heaven from the last when he's looking above the mountains and he, he's recognizing that the one that is the source of our worship is God. And this is not a complicated verse. He, uh, those in heaven, this is God. This is no one else, not the angels. It's just God. And we, we, we come to God and we, we beg for God, Lord, I'm looking to you. I'm not looking for other supernatural things as the world may look for. I'm not looking to the stars. I'm not looking to angels. Lord, I'm looking to you. And it's a recognition that of all of the things the world wants to say is our answer, uh, astronomy and, and creation, all these things, which God gave us, but that he didn't give us to answer our problems. We come to God because he is the only answer, and it's a singular focus. And so instead of looking at all the things the world has to offer, or what the world wants to put in place of God, it's simply this, it's God. It is, and it is God. And so we look at that. He goes, I look to you. I, I don't look to anything else but you. And so that is a primary focus of our worship is we come to God alone. In Christ alone, our hope is found. We come before the throne of God. We come to him. He says, become, full, become boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is where we go before God, nothing else but God. And it's important because especially if you're new to Christianity, it's easy for us to still see a lot of the world's thinking. You know, people say, I'm going to worship maybe still Mary, or I'm going to worship angels, or I'm going to look at the stars, and, and all of these things. And, and while they all have their place in God's design, their place is not worship, and their place is definitely not direction in my Christian life. Their place is solely and exclusively where God has them. God is the one that I go to. She goes unto thee, Lord. Then he says, verse 2, Behold, as the eyes of the servant look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our wait, our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. So he says we're waiting for God to have mercy. We'll talk about what he's talking about in a second there. But he gives two aspects of this, if I use the term intimate relationship. The one is a servant to the master. Now, I don't want to, it's not necessarily talking about slavery, although remember it stands servant, there was what was called bond servant in those times, and it was in their history as well, where people, um, either a lot of them found themselves in financial ruin, and so someone else would pay their debt, and they would work for that person to pay it off. It's the only way they could, or spend maybe the rest of their life in jail because of this. People would come to the country, this country, in that way, and, and a lot of it was abused. We understand the history that it was abused, and a lot of them didn't get what they came to, but that's the premise. The, these are people who have chosen, they, they work for somebody, and so they look up, and they're looking for somebody. Uh, in some cases, there was punishment, in some cases, there was not. We can look at the history of this, but God's not trying to look at the history as much as we do the aspect of it. The master had a lot of authority over the lives of people. So what we can pull from this is not the cruelty that we see in our history. Uh, what we look at this is that the master is one that we are to work for. We can see God. Please understand, God is a wonderful master. He says, come into me all the labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. 
you should find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's how Jesus, that's how he is described. So we come to him not as a heavy taskmaster waiting to overwhelm us and overburden us, but we look to him sometimes in punishment where we've done wrong or two, Lord, we need help. We need you to help, you know, help us go in the right direction for direction as the master would do. And then he gives a secondary point. He talks about uh, the love, we'd say, kind of between a husband and a wife today. The wife looking to her husband. There, there's security, there's love, there's s- protection, um, there's intimacy. All of those things come in this aspect. And so what you're seeing here is that the relationship that he says that I come to God is so much more than a a religious person looking to a religious being, a supernatural being. So this is so much more than me as a churchgoer looking to God, saying, God, you know, it is a a God that is aloof and distant from me. He's really describing someone who understands me. I I know that God knows my heart. I know he knows my thoughts, my fears, my concerns, my the things that no one else knows that part of me wonders, why do I even think this or want this? He knows my flesh. And in that, he knows the deepest, darkest secrets, and yet he loves me no matter what. That is what I, the, the human realm just does not fully understand. And that's what we see there. So he talks about the end mercy. Then he says in verse 3 and 4, he really begins to emphasize the idea of mercy. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. I would finish the last couple of minutes and say we look at two aspects of this. Obviously, there's got to be personal reflection there. Lord, I may be good at putting on a front. You know, if you grew up in church, you know that one of the things we can do, if we're not careful, is we can easily put forward, I want to look good. I want to look religious. I want to look like I go to church. I know the lingua. I know what I'm supposed to look like, but I'm not a good church person. You know, I mean, in reality, it's not real. That's fake, and, and, and that's not right. That's not real. And, and, and that's, you know, a lot of times people who are new to church or younger kids growing up, they see it. It's just empty. So he says, first of all, Lord, help, help dig below the facade that I can put to my family and my church people and all this. Lord, see the reality of me inside. That part of me that I don't want people to see. Lord, I know you see it. Help me. Lord, help recognize it. Help me to grow beyond it. Help me not to continue to say, this is okay. Then he says second. So there's the person reflection, but then there's the, shall we say, corporate or world perception of the church or our country. He's talking about the nation of Israel. Lord, we see the world and how they have just ignored you. And as a nation, Lord, please have mercy on us because we deserve great punishment. We can see that in our world today. We can see that in arrogance. We can see that in some churches. We definitely see in our country where our country as America and the world is doing everything they can to get us far away from God. As a matter of fact, they do, they, those who are pushing to get away from God and Christian values are, glor- are bragged honor lifted up and those of us who hold to Christian values are considered intolerant and and wrong and discriminative. It's not true, but that's the way the world wants to see it because the world needs to see that because the only way they can see their way is right is to criticize and look down on those who do follow biblical values, God's values. And so they criticize God's value and anybody holds to it. The prayer here is not to say, Lord, boy, the world needs to be more like us. Lord, have mercy on us. We're part of that. You see, because the answer to the world is not a bunch of unsaved people coming to God's values. They're not going to. The answer to the world is Christians standing firm and lovingly upon these values. If the church won't hold God's values, why would the world? God, they're not going to change their value because they've met God. They'll change their value because they come to God. 
right? They come to God and get saved. And that requires what God calls salt and light in this earth, a church willing to hold those values. And I don't mean being crazy or what some people use legalistic. I'm not going that far. I mean that we hold the values true, that we love God, we love each other, we love the world. I heard this the other day. I don't remember where I actually heard this, but the comment was true. Um, you know you're growing in Christ when your view of when you become less prejudiced of other people, when your view of people changes from the way the world wants you to see the way God wants you to see. How we view each other, how we view ourselves changes the more we grow in Christ. That's the way it should be. And so we, we become the influence in the world instead of being influenced by the world. And that's really what needs to be done, is that we let God speak to the intimate part of our heart so that we grow, so that we become that influence in the world that it needs instead of allowing the world to be what influences us. And that is so such a priority. It's not about having better standards or positions or morals in the world. It's about having a sweet communion with God and growing in God that God can speak through us to the world. That's really what we need today. It's not a facade. It's a worship relationship with Jesus, and that's what we need today. And I encourage that. We, it's not about, let me be more spiritual. It's about, let me be closer to God. And the closer I am to God, the more He will change me, and that influence will influence the world. Well, I know that it's easier said than done. It's a bit of a less tangible truth today. Simply put, let's let, get closer to God, allow Him to speak to us and change us into His image. And then through that change, we, we can be an influence who probably don't even realize we're being. And that's our goal. Thanks for joining us this morning. I went a little longer than normal, but I appreciate the privilege uh, to be able to be part of your day and be part of your, uh, your walk with Christ. I hope it's a help, hope it's an encouragement, hope it inspires us to grow in our relationship with Jesus and trust that He's doing something in our lives. Appreciate the opportunity to be part of your day. We really hope you have a great remainder of your day and great week. Uh, thanks for joining us. We hope we can see you again tomorrow.